Hey everybody, welcome to another day at a Day in the Lab podcast. Today we got Cortland Brown, a recent graduate with a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon. Hey Cortland, tell me a little bit about yourself. Hey, what's going on? Um, yeah, I just want to first first say thank you, James, for, for uh, this opportunity to get on your podcast. I know that it's going to be big, so I'm glad to be able to help uh, contribute. Um, yeah, so about me, like James said, uh, I'm Cortland. Um, I guess first and foremost, I'm a follower of Christ. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a black dude from, from Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, yeah, like James just said, I recently graduated from uh, Carnegie Mellon. Uh, with an electrical engineering degree, uh, master's electrical engineering degree. Um, so yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Cortland, very bright mind. Me and him, we've been good friends since high school. I wanted to bring him on this this show today to basically give us a little bit of a insight on his perspective of his experiences and his time at Carnegie Mellon. So, um, could you tell us a little bit about your experience? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I went to, I went to Carnegie Mellon two years ago. Um, I had just finished up at Tuskegee. Uh, shout out all the HBCUs. I began at the HBCU. And TU. I'm always going to be a, uh, TU, you know, <laughs> I'm always going to be like a proponent for HBCUs. But, uh, my main, my main reason for going to, to, to pursue, I guess, a higher degree was mainly because I wanted to, to deepen my engineering knowledge. And so that that was that was the that was the whole goal um, for me going to to CMU. And so going up there, um, so I, I'm an electrical engineer, and I'm mainly interested in circuit design. And so um, at TU, I didn't get I only got a little bit of, of that experience and that exposure. And so you know, as you as you go further in your degree, you get deeper knowledge. And so that that was the main thing that I went to to CMU for. And um, I guess my experience there, I had a, I guess it was, it was extremely tough. Uh, grad school was not easy at all. Um, for one, I, I went up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so uh, it's cold. It's cold. Mm. And so yeah, I'm, a, no. I'm a dude from the South. And so that was, uh, that was a huge transition for me. Um, that was really challenging. And also coming from, a, I guess, a HBCU with a, with an enrollment of about 3,000 to more of a, a PWI um, with an enrollment about 10,000. Uh, that was a transition as well. So um, what tips would you maybe give to someone who's either transitioning from HBCU to a PWI or has just been in a predominantly African-American based community and, and just starting maybe college? Um, I think I think what I would have told myself um, from the beginning is that, uh, you know, that imposter syndrome is, is real. And um, it's, I'm not going to say it's impossible to feel it, but more than likely you're going to feel it. Um, I definitely felt it um, as I transitioned there, just feeling like, you know, the other kids are smarter than me. Um, and and whether, whether that's true or not is actually not important, um, which, I think that's something that it's easy for us to get to get bogged down on. But yeah, it does, it literally doesn't matter like who's smarter and who's not. And uh and I think once you can wrap your head around that, um, it'll it'll help you, you know, just be more comfortable asking questions, not being afraid to ask for help. Um, because I think that's one hurdle that I had to get over. Mm-hmm. Um 
as I, you know, when I made it up there. Um, and yeah, and I think another thing is just um, go, going from a traditionally, you know, kind of like you said, where you're around a lot of African-Americans and, and transitioning to somewhere where it's not as many. Um, even though there aren't as many, there, there will be some of us there, which is just, that's just the way it works. And so, you know, go ahead and put in yourself around people you are comfortable with. Um, that's also a good thing that'll help you feel more at home. But also, also, I'll say this before you continue, do, do challenge yourself to, 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 you know, be around others because, you know, it'll just be better for your development as a that's part of the, That's part of the reason you're there, to, to get new ideas and see different perspectives. Um, what I was going to say was, uh, you said something that really kind of spoke to me. It doesn't matter if they're smarter than you don't even think on the type of like wavelength, you shouldn't be thinking the mindset of, oh, they may be smarter than me. I'm, I'm, you know, the imposter syndrome. Can you kind of speak more to that? Like how, how did you specifically struggle cope with it? And then why does it not matter if they're smarter than you or not? I mean, so yeah, I, I mean, I went into these classes and um, these classes, like, it's just a whole nother level. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's a whole nother level of teaching and, you know, rigor and material in grad school. And so, you know, it's almost like going from being a, a big fish in a little pond to a, a, a fairly medium, small sized fish, fish in an in a ocean. Right. <laughs> and uh and so it's intimidating and you feel I felt stupid. Like I just right. felt dumb. I felt like I didn't know I didn't know what I needed to know. And um and so the at, at the beginning I think I coped with that by trying to um almost almost trying to like do it on my own. And I mean, it's not impossible to do it that way, but it's not the best way to do it. Um, I don't think it's good for your mental health. Um, it's not good in just helping you build relationships with others. Um, and so I think that's kind of how I started. But thankfully, there were I had classmates, um, and some of these classmates were were black, but others weren't black, and they were willing to to help out. And um, and so that that was like, I'll say this: if it weren't for other people, I wouldn't have made it through grad school. Um, I, right. I legit would not have been able to um, to get to grad school on my own, and so I think understanding that that like you will need others, and that's okay, because like now I have a degree, and no one cares like how many people I ask for help during right. that time, you know. Right. So right. and so and I think the reason I say it doesn't matter like oh whether who's smarter and who's not smarter, um, why doesn't it matter? I think one, I mean, looking back, looking back, like, looking back, like, I don't care that someone is smarter than me, you know, like, looking back, like, if I think back on my past self, and, like, where I am now, like, it doesn't matter that, you know, I maybe knew less than them during that time, or, or they knew more than me. Um, I think what's more important is, okay, I have a goal that I'm trying to work towards, and yeah, a lot of that has to do with, you know, what's, you know, the knowledge that I have. But more than like, more often than not, it has more to do with, you know, how hard am I going to work to achieve that goal? And, um, and another thing is that 
there's there may be a certain amount of, of knowledge that we have at the moment, but I like to think that anyone is capable of learning anything. And right, so right, right. as long if if you're willing <clears throat> to put in that work and you know, let it, put it in the work, but then having people to help you, like it's 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 almost impossible to fail. So yeah, it does, I, I would I would say that it doesn't matter. Once you once you get if you're someone who's um, you know, transitioning into a, a specific, you know, new program, new degree, new job, whatever, once you get it, at that point it doesn't matter how much you know or don't know. What what only thing that matters then is okay, what are you gonna do to reach those goals? You know, once you're in the position now, so right. obviously you've proven to have some sort of um knowledge aptitude. or aptitude, skill, whatever it is. Um and so once you once you get in those positions, now it only matters, okay, what work am I gonna do to Right. So the to, fact that to, you're in the position you shouldn't be going through the whole imposter type of right. whole thought process. Right. right. Yeah. And then okay, even even though that that's true, I don't think that like I mean, I'm not gonna sit and act like I just because I've, you know, struggled with it in the past, it's something that I don't still feel, you know, presently. I'm about to start a new job soon, and so and so some of those fears and thoughts it's can still to go, creep it's up. Gonna go, it's going you're gonna yeah. Re- I'm gonna have to continually relearn this lesson. Right. Uh, hopefully not as much as the first time, but <laughs> right. You know, it's 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 just a part of growth. You know. Okay, I really think that's um important for especially young people to hear, and uh, a lot of my viewers they are in transitionary in transitionary periods where they might be going to different facets of life and. Moreover, it's really important for me to hear because I do aspire to possibly get into a graduate program. But I just, you know, want to keep this a little lightheart, lighthearted and fun. But, um, like, tell me about some of the good times you had at uh, Carnegie Mellon. Like, maybe one of your most memorable, more memorable, fun experiences. My more memorable, fun experiences. Let's see. Um, let's see. Let's see. It was a lot of grinding up there. I'm at this place hard. <laughs> It was rough. I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> CMU was rough. Uh, some of the most, one of the most memorable experiences at CMU. Um, one fun experience is me and a couple of classmates. Um, there's a, there was this uh, portion of the of the engineering building that was like off limits, not visited in a while. I don't know how you want to label it, but uh, we happened to we happened to swipe our cards on the little scanner, and it worked. Um, and so we got a chance. So it's, it's real high up. It's like compared to, to most of the buildings on the campus, it's real high up. So maybe like um, five to six stories up high. And so we got up, we, we were able to like get in and then um, it was locked, but we, we figured a way into it. But the, um, it has a balcony. There was a balcony and it's like this circle. And so we, we, we went up there and we were able to see like basically the entire city from this balcony and it, it was just a really beautiful view and just uh a place that I would go from time to time uh just to kind of get away from the madness mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of sit and chill um so that's that's a that's a really memorable thing for me mm, but besides that all work no play <laughs> <laughs> something like that yeah it CMU is a, like really a meat grinder uh, it is no joke for real right. I mean that's great yeah. that you made it out and uh accomplished your goal but 
on to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. We all about entrepreneurship. As you know, LabPan is a product development company where we take people's ideas and create their products, award-winning, uh, multi-billion dollar products. So how do you think entrepreneurship, especially with the current state of the United States, how do you think entrepreneurship can help change the narrative of African-Americans? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a deep question. That's a really deep question. Um, can I, can I have a counter, can I have a counter question first? You can, you can. Yeah. Okay. You could what, just say society, but yeah. No, 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 no. Okay. The, the narrative of African-Americans, if I want to, I want to, um, from, from James, from James's perspective, what is the narrative of, of African-Americans? Are? Historically speaking, I just feel like we've been in a position of defense instead of offense and been more so trained in all our walks of life through school, even higher learning school, like higher education college, uh, to work for someone else instead of building our own, uh, building our own infrastructure and things to help support our community. So even yeah. as far as our culture has been like a, a well of potential that's been tapped and taken somewhere else instead of reinvested into our own communities. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. When it when it comes to entrepreneurship, um, yeah. So when I so I was was great. I actually got a chance to um, to take entrepreneurship class while I was at CMU, and I learned a, a lot about it then. And I think the one thing that entrepreneurship will teach will teach us how to do, um, which I hope this doesn't mess up anyone's perceptions of it, but it'll teach us how to fail, and then try again. There's a lot of um, failure lot, in it, and I'm because I'm yeah. currently doing it. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of a lot of entrepreneurship, a lot of entrepreneurs have to like. If you meet if you meet entrepreneurs, a lot of them aren't on their first business. They're on like number five or or whatever, and so they they have a couple of iterations. And so one it'll teach us perseverance, which we've persevered through so much already. But I think even you know I think a lot of our um, a lot of former generations have a better idea of, of, um, of perseverance than, you know, a lot of us, because, you know, we grew up in the, you know, the digital the age, tap, tap, the digital yeah. age where instant gratification, all that, that's a whole nother conversation. But one, I think it'll teach us perseverance. Um, but also, you know, the, you know, the, the black wall street, the, the Tulsa, Oklahoma's, um, you know, I don't think we've, we've had that, um, in the in the 21st century, um, for for African Americans, and you know some can argue whether we need that or not, and, th and that's not what I'm here to do. But I'm here to say that that's not something that we've had. Um, you know, there's the argument of you know once things were desegregated, um, you know all the money left the African American community, and that's a fair point. And so if if that's something that we want to attain to, if we do want to have our own the only way to have that is through entrepreneurship. Um, you know, you know, I was thinking, what, what if there was like, you know, a major black tech company? Um, what, would, right. what would that mean for the, for the African-American community? Uh, what, what would that mean for, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our communities that don't have, um, you know, that have bad performing uh, schools? You know, what, what would that mean for our HBCUs? Um, it's just something to think about where, you know, a, a lot of our society has been 
built upon using us to help to help i guess I, white people i said <laughs> white people <laughs> to to help uh to help you know american society their american dream blah 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 i right. to fluff it up has a lot of a lot of you know the past couple of centuries has been us helping them to build that but um and that doesn't necessarily um cater towards us and so what would it look like for us to help build something that does cater towards us and there i think there are many there are many there are many um what's the word i'm looking for there are many uh parts to that whole but i think one of those parts is um entrepreneurship right um and so because that's like the foot soldiers on the ground economically speaking i say yeah right yeah yeah so on to the next on to the one uh, another question from the perspective of an electrical engineer, you kind of answered this, but from the perspective of, elect- of an electrical engineer, what is the importance of invention, innovation, and ownership? Yeah. Um, and I'm speaking to that because our vision is to empower people of color through invention, innovation, and ownership. So I want to see your perspective on that. Yeah. So I watched this, uh, I watched this documentary uh, a couple. It was actually sort of right before I went to CMU, and it was about um, like all these all these dudes who like started with the the different railroad systems and all of that, and um, like basically all these dudes who these they basically were essentially entrepreneurs who built empires, and um, the way they did it, uh, the way that the um, the documentary described it was being able to basically see around the corner. And um, in in order for, I, I'll just speak on speak on uh, I guess African Americans. If 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 our goal is to like one day sort of build this um, entrepreneurial empire or you know make these great great companies that that are owned by blacks, um, we have to grow in our ability to be able to to quote unquote see around the corner. Um, let me see if I can give a great example of that. Uh, I think let's start with Steve Jobs, right? He, he's a, he's an easy example. Um, Apple Apple blew up off of the iPod, um, and so how is that? You know, we went from you know Walkmans to CDs um, and radios. We eventually made our ways to, to the iPod, and so what he understood was that um, people are gonna love, you know, not only being not being able to be limited to twelve songs that they have to listen to, you know. That's how much, you know, 80 minutes. That's how much the standard CD holds. Um, but now in, you know, 03, 05, you have this thing that's, that's smaller than a CD player that can hold a thousand songs. A thousand songs, easy. Um, yeah. So him being able to see around the corner and say, hey, you know, people, people, people need this. Um, that's, 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 and this is broader than electrical engineering, right? Like, right, yeah, of course. Just electrical engineering. Of course. So being able to see around the bend, see around the so corner. In that um, same light, way. what do you think is going to be the next big trend for just uh, technology? Or something no, that's, that's untapped that we need to start looking towards to make innovation yeah, in? That's, you know, that's something I've wondered about because that it, I guess that's the thing. Once you figure it out, you're rich, right? Yeah. Um, and so... Um, 
you know, I can't say this. I, I'm not sure what's going to be the next, I guess, the next big thing. People are putting if a lot I, of emphasis no, on AI it, right now. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. So if I did know, I wouldn't say it on this this podcast, but oh, I will no. say this. <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. If For the investors out there, um, I think I do believe that uh, electric vehicles will be the norm probably within the next 20 years. I say so, three to five, honestly, because I know three to five. People. I'm talking about like, I mean, like everyone got an electric vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I think right now, like this, like this is an example. I think this is a very many. It's a really full of scene around the bend. In the next 10 to 15 years, electric vehicles are going to be a lot more popular. What does that mean? The stocks are going to be going up. Yeah. So what do you want to do? You want to invest in electric vehicles? All right, so I already got some stuff in Tesla yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the, so yeah, things like that. Um, but yeah, like you said, that there's a there's a huge wave for AI, and I don't know what the heck people are gonna do with that, or even VR. You know, that that actually may be it. Uh, we VR we, and we AI is kind of scary when you really yeah. start to get into it. It's kind of gets Matrix vibes. Yeah. Yeah, or Black Mirror. I don't know if yeah, Black, Black Mirror, Terminator. It's all the same. <laughs> we want extre- We want more and more extreme versions of alternate reality. So maybe it's VR. <laughs> I mean, technically, we already kind of live in an alternate reality right now. Like, look at us on the screen. People have are constantly glued. I'm just being real. Like, I mean, it's it's good and bad, but it's like it has definite drawbacks to it. Um, a lot of different effects is having on uh, young people coming up that they don't have any social skills because they're just purely on their, or diminishing social skills because they're purely on their phone. That's their main way of communication. But um, yeah, those are all my big questions for you. You have any questions for me, man? Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I guess, hmm, I'm going to ask something about lab hand. Should have thought about this beforehand. Uh, <laughs> you got time. So, um, so let's say let's say when when Lapan becomes the 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 diamond of a company that it is, what 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 are you gonna do to 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 like I guess build up the the African American community? Well, right now Lapan is a product development company. Our vision, like I said is to empower people of color through invention, innovation, and ownership. So to do that, I would, um, let's say it is a big, uh, big diamond of a company, like you say. Well, it's built, of, it's built off the premise that we are creating million dollar products for people. So that in and of itself, what we're already doing is giving back to our community. But from a more drastic and uh, I guess direct light, we will be doing more educational outreach and STEM programs and beginning to teach people from a younger age how to uh, come across and, and, and apply themselves to uh, create their own ideas better. And that's what we're striving to do now. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, so the mission, our mission now is to create a million dollar product for a million customers. It's a stretch goal, but I honestly believe we can achieve it. Um, 
this is a really uh, little known industry, product producing, creating products for product producing businesses. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so many people who want to get into fashion and want to get into uh, marketing. They want to get into apparel, uh, even beauty. That's big. I don't have a problem with that. But I just was like, let me do something that's not so sexy, something that's not so pretty, something that really takes and, and utilizes my expertise because I've been yeah. unknowingly uh, preparing for this my whole life just in the way that I grew up working with my hands and things like that. So it's just one of those things where let me use all these tools to help and even push them to a, a higher level. And the way that I do that is I try to make something every day. If it be art, uh, music, or uh, just some type of uh, craft creation, try to make something every day, especially using my hands. And that just keeps those wheels turning and uh, the creativity to kind of see trends and uh, create new ideas and things like that. Wow, that's cool. That's real cool. Yep. That's real cool. Yeah, bro. So hopefully when once you finish uh your tenure at Google, <laughs> you may end up being a career Google person, but you're gonna come over to Lavan because I got a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Save me yeah. a spot. Yeah. Save me a spot. But um that's it, y'all. Um, Cortland, I thank you so much for having you on your show, on our show. Um very proud of you. Uh, I definitely want to see you do good, man. Um and tell the viewers where they can find you if you are on Instagram, Facebook, anything like that. Yeah, uh, if you want to look me up, uh, I'm on I'm on Facebook at Cortland Brown. That's Court C O U R T L A N D. Instagram A O Brown underscore. Uh, I release a, a little bit of music if you're interested in checking that out. Just look oh up no, Brown. I ain't know. You. <laughs> I'm gonna put some bit. on the end. I'm gonna put some on the outro of the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going to embarrass me, but all right. <laughs> all right, Corlin, that'll work.